the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The estate planning team is an Ohio registered investment advisor. The following is for informational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or financial products. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advice and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. You have financial goals and dreams. We can help you achieve them. Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. You found financial food for thought. Got Mark Dialy and Carrie Waddell. Uh, Carrie, I thought it was an appropriate song after the midterm elections. <laughs> the, the, uh, the, the red whisper was deafening, Carrie. Yeah. They want to change the narrative. You've got election officials like the Stephen Richards of the world and the Bill Gates of the world. And I'm not talking about the Bill Gates, you know, the big rich one. I'm talking about the poorer one that is trying to. This is Carrie Lake, you know, who's right. President Trump's pick endorsement for the Arizona. I don't know what's going on in Arizona. We're taping the show on Friday. Right. Um, I don't even know. We don't have results yet, right? Right. I mean, but. She's a smart lady. Yeah, but she's okay. Care. She's too far right. With our elections I like here, her. they are controlling. Election. They are controlling the narrative of election night here in this great country, and withholding and slow rolling results. I think it's despicable. Get the job done, guys. They bring out the uh, early ballots. They say the Democrats are winning. Katie Hobbs is not winning. She has never been winning. They're just not counting votes. And when you kind of slow down counting votes and you bring it to almost a screeching halt uh, and all you have are the early ballots, it makes it look like she's winning. And I can guarantee you she's not going to win this. Yes, that's right. That's a big guarantee, Carrie. Hmm. That she's just said she guarantees that she won the election. Um, hmm. and, and we'll see. But it, it gets on to the point that I don't want to spend too much time, you know, on the, on the, election. On the election. But just the, um, I, well, you know, some of this afterthoughts the morning after, right? Uh, so I think, <laughs> I think what's emerging is we have three political parties right now, Carrie, right? Mm-hmm. We've got the Democrats. Right. The Republicans. Right. And DeSantis. Right. Um, or in Trump's world, the desanctuous. Um, right. So uh, now that's the point. The, 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 uh, the, the, and I also think that the pro choice vote was, had a bigger effect than what people were right. thinking. Because, uh, you know, they're starting to say now a lot of, mil- you know, female millennials. True got out to the vote. Right, um, but at the same time, I don't know. But speaking of the polls, I, I'm tired of I'm done with them. 
I'm tired of the I don't talk- even look at them, Mark. I know, but I'm tired of the talking heads using the polls as an excuse when they don't go their way. I mean, for for weeks, Carrie, we were hearing the far right telling us for weeks that don't believe the polls that say the Democrats are winning. Right. Right. And go out, you know, and, and they're wrong and they're slanted and they're biased. And then we get the election result and, and then those same people turn around and say, Oh, well, what happened? The, the, the poll, you know, they don't go back and say, Well, maybe those polls were right. They go back but and say, But you know, the other side does it. I mean, don't be bashing just oh, the far right. Right. Well, but I mean, but, right. But what I'm saying is, you know, that, yeah, the pollsters are pollsters. Polls are polls. It's just, uh, I don't even pay attention, nor do I listen or, re- you know. I think in my final thought um, is, I, you know, who are the winners? Who are the losers? Um, well, first of all, I, early on in this show, I, I sing when all the votes are done counted. And now, of course, we have the Georgia run. Right. But, but when all the votes are done counting, I don't think either party is going to control both houses. Right. I think the biggest losers are probably the American people with the economy, well, with the divided country, all the issues that aren't going to get resolved. Right. Ugh. Well, the American people, I think, were clear, Carrie. The, the, the extremes are out. Right. Either the, you know, I don't care if you talk about the far left progressive socialists. Right. Or the Which far is- right extremists. It, you know, they're both out. America is in the middle. America wants I'm to be in the right. middle. Okay. Um, the, the America wants a split Congress, but they want them working together. No, but it's not. Nothing gets done. Well, it's divisive. It's well, divisive. And they're trying to promote more divisive. Well, the extremists are on either side. The middle America isn't, Carrie. But the middle America isn't getting hurt. Middle politicians don't get hurt. Well, I think Middle America is getting hurt. I absolutely think no, they're getting heard, hurt. No, oh, heard, heard, like heard, oh, heard, hearing, right? Okay. Well, this vote kind of right. was pretty loud hearing right. because the extremists are out on both ends, and you you had you had the you, you everyone thought it was the economy stupid. People are still saying the economy was the biggest one of their biggest concerns, but they they don't vote all the Democrats out because they don't you know and and you've got because I think I really think the. Pro-choice, pro-life issue probably was a big driver right, for because, people. Because what's the what's the American national poll on that? Are are is American generally pro-life or pro-choice? And I think people in that issue personally are in the middle. I mean, they don't want where somebody for medical or personal reasons they don't want a government dic- dictating a choice but you also don't want to go extreme when a baby's viable. I mean, I think people are middle grounds and they don't want government intervention. And so we're going to have gridlock, and at least Wall Street likes gridlock. More on Wall Street, you know, but because we certainly saw how the market fluctuated this week. Uh, talk a little bit more about that later. Um, and I, I mean, bottom line here, I think at the end of the day, what does middle America want? They want nine to five jobs that they get pay increases to stay ahead of inflation. They want safe neighborhoods. They yeah. want good schools for their kids. And they want to watch football on weekends. And they want people to get along, you know, and respect each other. Uh, get us started. All right. Good morning, everyone. And happy Veterans Day. Um, and yesterday was the Marine Corps birthday. Um, so I just wanted to mention that and make sure that you thank a veteran or do something to remember that. Because certainly we get far enough um, away from, you know, we need reminders as much as possible. But you're listening to Financial Fault. Fo- Food for Thought, we are here every Saturday morning on 1420 AM. 
between 9 and 10. We're a financial educational talk program here to give you helpful information about issues that could impact your financial life, hopefully make you aware of choices and opportunities and potential problems and um, talk about what you can do and about being proactive instead of just letting things fall where they may. And if you don't do anything, usually what happens is there's a plan in place, um, which is usually the government strategy. It's a default plan, which end up costing you more. And we're sponsored by the estate planning team, which is an affordable fee-based Ohio registered fiduciary planning firm that's been around Cleveland now for more than 35 years, helping working people prepare for their retirement and people who are already in retirement know how much they can really afford to spend using inflation, market volatility, taxes, and healthcare costs, and how to create the income you need as tax efficiently as possible, how to create the um, an inheritance to your heirs, um, how to avoid traps, and so much more. And we've been, again, around Cleveland more than 35 years and offer a free, no obligation, no pressure consultation by phone or in person to see if you can benefit from our services. And many people have opportunities still between now and the end of the year. And especially between now and 2025, when we have the more favorable tax rates, because um, if things fall where they are, Congress isn't going to be able to do anything or make major changes. And right now we do have favorable rates. So you should at least be looking at that because each tax year stands alone. Um, we are also not investment advisors. What we do is look at your assets in terms of risk, growth, and tax efficiency and run these long-term custom plans to say, how much risk do you really need to be taking on to accomplish your goals? And if you don't need to take on more risk than necessary, and you can have the life you want, then why take on that potential loss? And for some people, having safety and slow growth is better than that potential bigger win in the long run, but we can show you through the financial modeling. So if you want to take advantage of a free consultation, remember we can do it by phone or in person, and we actually do some preliminary analysis just for taking the time to schedule. You can call 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090, or visit financialfoodforthought.com. That's financialfoodforthought.com. And the website, you can sign up for the newsletter keep you posted on any law changes or alerts what the government's doing. And um, you can listen to our podcast on previous shows or contact us on the website for the free consultation as well. Carrie, you're sounding too positive. The, 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 uh, well, you have to balance you don't want me to. You don't, I, I take it you don't want me to rant on the election results no. for this whole show. Okay. My final what, comment. What can you do about it? Okay. Not, nothing. I went out and voted. I did my part. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you got one vote, make it count. Uh, my last comment then is that I also think the the results that we're still waiting for also indicates that America does not – want to see a Biden-Trump rematch in 2024. And I think they made that very clear. All right, what am I? What are we here to talk about? I'm going to do a, a like a year-end planning case review. Okay. The one I call the uh, how to make your retirement sandwich taste better. Right? Okay. And, uh, but before that, we did get a big uh, economic data this week with the CPI readings. And they came in very favorable, right? And mm-hmm. and it's worth noting, well, if you didn't notice, you notice how the stock market went up on the news, right? Um, you know, so it was they came out on Thursday morning 
And by the end of the day, you know, the S&P 500 was up five and a half percent, Gary. Oh, wow. The Dow was up 3.7 percent and the Nasdaq was up 7.35 percent. Parabolic moves um, on the on the good CPI data reading. Um, Now. Don't forget, though, that came the day after. Speaking of the mornings after, that was the day after the S&P was down two percent. So, you know, based on the election right. results. So the roller coaster is still continuing. But um, and volatility is not unusual when you have economic hardships or, or economic problems, economic situations. And we certainly have no shortage of economic concerns, not only in, in this country globally. And it's it's hard to say that if, you know, if Europe and the war in Ukraine and China's COVID, continuing COVID problem, which affects the supply chain, they that bleeds into our shores, no doubt. Um, even though we may have the strongest economy of any of those countries. Um, so, so what, so speaking of the volatility, all right. So through, you know, again, this week, you know, yesterday, um, we're taping the show on Friday. Um, you know, we've, I, I keep, I keep track of volatility carry on how many days that the S and P 500 closed more than two percentage points up or down from when it started. Okay. All right. Not intraday. I was going to say, this is going to be a rough year. Okay. So, so far this year, we've had 44 of those. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now of the 44, 22 are up and 22 are down. Okay. That's the roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, now, of the 44, we've had three parabolic moves. Which are bigger. That's double. That's right. 4% movements. Those don't happen too often. Okay. Um, and that's when people really take it. Get nervous. Attention. So we've had three of those, including we just mentioned the, the, the CPI yesterday's, the S&P up five, over 5%. Um, so we've, of the three that we've had year to date, one up and two down. Okay. Now, how do we compare that? Well, the last recession, the 2020, the Rona recession, we also had for the whole year, we had 44 days. That's where we are this year, year to date. Okay. And of the, in that year, in 2020, of the 44, 19 were up and 25 were down. Okay. And now the, what we did have, we had, we had many more parabolic moves. So in 2020, we had 17 of the 44 were parabolic. Mm. Okay. Um, now, of, of those 17, eight were up and nine were down. Okay. Again, the roller coaster. Right. All right. Um, but let's go back even to how about 2008? You Ooh, know, the great the recession. ugly year? We had 74 2% movements. That's a good percentage <laughs> of the days traded in a year, right? Um, of the 74, 32 were up and 42 were down. So a little bit more heavy on the downside. Of the 74, 29 were parabolic. 29, 4% movements, Gary. That's when people start jumping off bridges, right? Um, of the 29, 13 were up and 16 were down. Um, so again, you, you have, uh, you, you know, it's, it's not unusual that we have the roller coaster, but it's also is, is why the professionals always tell you it's hard the time to market. Mm hmm. When you have these 
44 days where half of them are up and half of them are down. Which, Mark, I think that's a good argument if you have a plan and know your number and know what growth rate you need and then you know how much risk you need to take. So, right, exactly. But, well, how about the midterm barometer? Okay, because we just got through the midterms. So this is what a lot of people look at. And what they look at, Carrie, is is how the stock market performs in the 12 months following a midterm election, like in the third year of a presidency, which we just experienced, right? Well, it's interesting. Out of the last 19 (laughs) midterms, Carrie, going back to World War II, right? Um, The S&P 500 has averaged a gain of 14.4%. So if there's anything to look forward oh, to, it, it's it perhaps the, if the, the midterm barometer. Now, more interesting, I think, than the 14.4% average is the fact that 100% of those years, Carrie, it, uh, it was at least positive. Okay. And not, not, one, not once in those 19 terms that the S&P was negative huh. after the 12 months. We're not talking about the calendar, we're talking about the 12 right. months uh, you know, after the, after the midterms. So maybe we can hang our hat on that, I don't know. There's a lot of people who are thinking, uh, you know, we could have many uh, further rough waters um, that could capsize the ship um, where we're, we're singing the morning after uh, song. Um, all right, so what about the CPI? So why did the markets go up so much on that CPI report? Well, Carrie, it's because it was a beat all around. And what do I mean by that? So in other words, not only did the numbers for October come in better than they were for September, right? Okay. Meaning inflation right. lower. But also, they came in better than what the economists were projecting. Projecting. Okay. Double. So that's a good sign. All right. So so what do I mean by that? Well, let's look at core. I'm oh, no, sorry. Let's start with headline because everyone wants headline. Okay. Headline. So annualized headline year over year for October came in at 7.7%. Better ouch. than the previous 8.2%. Right. But still, ouch. Right. But here is, but this is the trend that we're saying. In other words, is, right. is the Federal Reserve saying we will stop inflation? It's just at what pain level, right? So remember, we had said back in June, we thought that maybe that's when inflation had peaked. So in June, the, it was a 9.1% year over year. So from June, it's gone from 9.1 to 8.5 to 8.3 to 8.2 to 7.7. Okay. Okay. Um, now, what were economists looking for for October? 7.9. So the 7.7 beat the 7.9 and right. beat the previous. Okay. How about month over month? Because that's a lot of people right. say, well, don't even look year over year. That data is too old. Let's look at the monthly trend. Right. Okay. So for the month of October, it came in at 0.4, which matched the previous month, September of 0.4. Well, so at it least stayed it didn't flat. go up. Yeah. Right. So that, you know, do you call that a win? I don't know. Um, but what, you know, the economists were looking for 0.5. So it did beat what they were looking okay. for. Okay. Now, how about what the, what some of the economists and Federal Reserve look more at core when you exclude food and energy? Right. Well, how did that do? Well, year over year, it came in 6.3. 
which was better than the previous month year over year, 6.6. Okay? So again, that be an economist were looking for 6.5. So the 6.3 beat that, right? And how about month over month? Okay, and this is what really what sometimes people get looked to and say, I want to see the most recent 30 days activity to see is the Federal Reserve's medicine working? Okay, so month over month, the core CPI came in at 0.3, a lot better than the previous month, 0.6. Oh, that's a big difference. And also beating what the economists were looking for, 0.5. So if you look at the month over the month core CPI, remember June, perhaps the peak was 0.7. Then in July, it was 0.3. Then August, it jumped back up to 0.6. Stayed at 0.6 for September and now back down to 0.3 for October. So, you know, there you have it. So, but when you look across the board, whether you look at core or headline, whether you look at annual year over year or the current, more current monthly, it was a beat across the board. That indicated to Wall Street that the Federal Reserve would pivot and perhaps not do as large of of interest rate increase next time in December. I don't know if this one month's data is enough for the Federal Reserve to to pivot that much. I still think they will raise interest rates in December, but clearly it was indicated that our you know the, the from the stock market standpoint, are we at a, are we at the bottom as opposed to a much further you know bottom that we need to go. So was that Re, that jump in in the stock market on Thursday was that the a start of a new bull market? Was it just a bear market rally? Who knows? Who knows? Nobody knows. Um, nobody knows. But you know, it's just the idea saying that you know that's why you saw. It. I still think you're going to have a lot of volatility in the upcoming months, and I still don't think the Federal Reserve is is going to be able to navigate. A soft landing, meaning that they'll be able to get through this without some type of recession. Hopefully, it'll be a mild recession. All right. Regardless, take advantage of our free, no obligation, no pressure consultation we offer by phone or in person. We do some preliminary number crunching and showing you how our model works. We're not investment advisors. Our clients do that on their own or they already work with an investment advisor that we coordinate with. Um, But we build these financial plans and also help people with objective, unbiased analysis with timing of Social Security, pension election, IRA, distribution planning, Roth conversions, and giving people enough number crunching and good, helpful information and data that they're comfortable with their financial decisions and understand how short-term decisions affect the longevity and the long-term outcomes. And to take advantage of a free consultation, you can give us a call, leave a message. We will get back to you on Monday at 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090. Or visit our website at financialfoodforthought.com. All right, listen to Mark Dolly and Kara Waddell, and we're the co-owners of the estate planning team. The estate planning team has been helping Cleveland families build custom financial plans for over 35 years. And over the decades, we certainly have gone through a lot of midterm elections, Carrie Wright, and we've also gone through a good share of recessions. And I, you know, we never know when the next recession is, is happening. It's always somebody looking in the rearview mirror saying, okay, we were in it. 
Um, you know, we had the technical recession early on when we had the first two quarters of negative GDP, but then the third quarter was positive. The second quarter was not really that negative. So people kind of blew that off and said, well, maybe that really wasn't a recession. Still, you know, the verdict's out. But what can you do? We always say it doesn't matter if the next recession is happening this year, next year, or the following year. What should you always be doing in your personal financial planning to protect your family from the next economic downturn? And we talk about three simple things that, you know, try to keep remembering. One, of course, is maintain an adequate cash reserve. That's your first defense, meaning that if you have a tough economic time where the market is down and you need cash and you don't want to sell your stocks low, you have a cash reserve that allows you to cover that unplanned expense, perhaps, or maybe a planned expense. If you, if you, if you're doing your planning, you've tried to identify those big ticket items that you're budgeting for over the next few years. Maybe that's a new house. Maybe that's a new car. Maybe that's a, a wedding for a daughter. Maybe that's whatever, a, 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 the bucket list trip. So the idea is saying that, yeah, I've got enough cash reserve to cover that spending gap or that extra purchase that I'm planning. And and because if you don't have that in cash, we've seen over the decades that the clients may back off and say, well, I guess I can't take that riverboat cruise because I would have to sell my assets low and I know I'm not supposed to do that, right? So keep it keep an adequate cash reserve um also rebalance periodically you know you know i don't you know we're talking about is what we saw happen this week is that the start of a new bull market was it just a bear market rally i don't know is it the resurgence carry of the 60 40 portfolio right okay which was certainly dead for this year but i keep saying maybe not dead forever and mark um, when you said about rebalancing or just cuz i talked to a couple um this week that which they followed, we were following up, they decided to, instead of reinvesting dividends, which they always had, have the dividends sent to them, which helped their cash flow to put more in fixed to build up their cash reserve instead of just automatically being weighted heavier in the market. Yeah, and, and that's a... And, uh, and they didn't even think about it. It was right. just... And that's a discussion, too, that a lot of times we have with the client and their investment advisor, mm-hmm. if, if they're using a professional investment right. advisor. Because if you're using a professional investment advisor who are making, you know, you have to discuss that with them. Right. You know, to see how that fits in, especially if I'm assuming I'm talking where they have a discretion, where they're buying and selling without, you know, having to call you every to to make those moves. Um, But yeah, but that's certainly one way. And you can turn that on and off. Right. But some people just always left it on before and because they didn't need it. Well, now because costs have gone up, maybe that's a way to create some cash. Yeah. Reserve and but, cash flow needs. And certainly if you've got an overweighted stock position. Which a and, lot of people did, and you, you think about. And you were just taking the dividends and reinvesting in that same overweighted position. Right. It's not helping you diversify, right? That's the idea of rebalancing and diversification. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're trying to be 60-40, make sure you are 60-40. If you're trying to be 50-50, et cetera. And when you're talking about the 60-40, I'm just going to mention, I know the fix. CD rates are going up. Some of the multi-year guarantee rates. Even the four-year now, um, I found out today, I was checking went up to 5%. That's 5% guaranteed every year for the next four years. And then you can walk away and do something else with it after that time right. period. So, Carrie, you're talking about the, the, the multi-year guarantee annuity. Right. Yeah. And CDs are up as well. Right. But we do have some clients, if they've got taxable money, 
meaning you know that that's gonna then they don't want to um they're looking for a safe place they're not they're not too excited about putting their cash back into the market right now right um they're looking for some place to stay safe for a few years right until they think this eventually will get back to normal and you defer interest. And they don't want to pay the taxes on the CD interest. Right. Sometimes a multi-year guaranteed annuity works just fine Because you don't them. pay interest on that until you do a withdrawal. Right. So you get that tax-deferred compounding growth, right? Mm. And, when you see, and, and when you see short-term rates that are attractive like that, again, right. back to your 60-40, if you're just trying to get your fixed side to do 3 or 4%. It's easy to do right now. Yeah, you couldn't do that for a long, long time. No, not when CD rates you know, yeah. were point- and, and I'm talking about without any principal risk. Right. I mean, you could still go get into bonds, but bonds carry a certain amount of risk, as people learn this year right. with the U.S. aggregate bond index being negative double digits, right? Um, and then the third thing is uh, build your plan R, you know, or what mm-hmm. we call your recession or your recovery plan that says, yeah, you've got your plan A, your your long-term financial model that says you're, everything's working fine. You're not going to run on money for life, but maybe you have too rosy of, of uh, assumptions in there, including rates of return on investments or um, rates of inflation. So you modify that, you build a worst case scenario, and, and you model in either a market downturn or perhaps higher inflation or a combination of those things to see if you're still going to be okay. Um, so that, yeah, let's kind of look for that. All right. Now, the other thing, too, when we talk about this time of year and planning, a lot of talk about Roth conversions, right? Mm-hmm. And, and why? Well, there's, there's lots of reason why you see so many articles today and you hear so many people talking about Roth IRA conversions. Now, we've been talking uh, about Roth IRA conversions since they've come into existence in 1998. It's nothing new to us at the estate planning team. We've always thought for the right, for the, you know, not for everyone, but for a lot of people, Roth conversions made an awful lot of sense. So why? Well, again, one is that you had mentioned, Carrie, that right now we've got the lower income tax rates that was part of President Trump's 2017 tax package, all right? And they expire at the end of 2025. Now, I don't know if the Republicans are going to have enough seats to try to put enough pressure on President Biden after these midterm elections to, to, to get President Biden to vote for, to extend or make those lower tax rates permanent. And I think President Biden isn't planning on doing that. But that's even harder to assume, you know, with the red whisper as opposed to the red wave, right? So I think, you know, so now what happens in 2024? Who knows? Because again, so what happens when 2025, by the end of 2025, when these lower rates expire? I don't know. But at least people are taking advantage mm-hmm. and saying, I'm going to do my Roth conversions now in case all these tax rates go up. In right. Well, even if they don't. Go, well, I was going to say, and remember, we lose the right now. A lot of people with a higher standard deduction. That's a big 
win right. for some people. Now, yeah. certainly people who have huge real estate taxes and other, but in general, for the majority of people, that's been a big right. benefit. That's a good point. I don't think people enough realize that. Yeah, part of that sunset of that 2017 tax act, we go back to the old schedule. Which is a lot less. About half. Right. Um, all right. Now, um, also the federal state taxes get cut in half. That's mm. a, for another, another Although, discussion. isn't it over $12 million a person? <laughs> right. Um, now, a second one is that the Roth conversions, you're starting to build for yourself a tax-free bucket that you can use later on in retirement. So, in other words, in future years, let's say you, you, you're you taking your required minimum now in future years, and you have a, 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 a big expense that you need to raise more cash, you know you could take more from the IRA than your required minimum, but that's going to cause you more taxes, right, or shoot you through another tax threshold. So in that instance, you can say, well, I have the Roth IRA I can dip into. Because when you take money out of the Roth IRA, now granted there's some five-year holding rules to get the earnings out tax-free. We'll, we'll, we can talk about that you know, if you come in for a consultation. But the idea is saying, yeah, it's, 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 it's leaving that tax-free bucket so if you have a big ta- big expense years, you can kind of smooth out the tax hit. Um, a third reason is that by doing Roth conversions now, you're theoretically lowering your future required minimum distributions. Because, you know, if it's your Roth IRA, there are no required minimum distributions. Now, if you've got a Roth 401k, there is, you know, so if you have a, if you have a Roth 401k, you still are required to take out RMDs, you know, it's starting at eight now, currently at eight seventy two. That's why a lot of people carry when they retire, they roll their Roth four hundred one k into a Roth IRA, so they don't have that RMD requirement. Um, and then uh, another reason is not does not everybody's reason, but it's a lot of our clients' reason. Carrie is they're trying to reduce the IRD, that's income and respective decedent, the tax it to their kids when they leave them their inheritance. Okay, because there are a lot of people saying, Mark, I don't think I'm going to ever really spend our whole IRA in our right. lifetime. I'm not pl- I mean, I mean, we could if we live to 100. Right. But if we die at 80, we're not, you know, and, and so the, the, the idea is saying, OK, in that event, you know, you know, and, the, and if they say, hey, what are my kids tax brackets going to be later on when they inherit my IRAs and they're in their peak earning years? And now under the SECURE Act, they have 10 years to get that money out. What's that going to do to their tax return? So so as, as opposed to saying, if I do a Roth conversion now and I don't spend all my Roth before I die and leave that to my kids, yeah, they still have to get it out within 10 years. But they get it out without paying any taxes. At least it's tax-free and doesn't you know, disrupt their, their tax-smoothing uh, inheritance. Um, now, the other thing is why Roth conversions now? Okay, so we, those are some standard reasons of why there, people do them, but why now? Well, in years where you have a big market drop, you know, so we had mentioned earlier, of course, you know, the old rule, buy low and sell high, right? Mm-hmm. In other words, you don't want to sell your stocks while they're low, right? And, and lock in that loss. You want to buy low and sell high. But when you're talking about Roth conversions, it's almost the exact opposite thinking. You want to convert low. Okay, right. with the idea that if you've got a stock that's down 15, do I hear 20 percent, 
and you're not, and you're just going to hold on to it because you believe it'll come back. And over time, you know, how quick, I don't know, but over time it'll come back. The idea is you could, you, you take those shares or the equivalent of those shares. You move them from your IRA and you convert them over to your Roth IRA. Now you have to pay income taxes when you execute that conversion, but you're kind of getting like a tax discount, like a 20% tax discount because the shares have dropped in value. You're, you're, you're taxed on the value of the shares on the date of conversion, right? And so now that you've got the same equivalent shares now in your Roth IRA. And so when that regrowth happens, the regrowth is all coming back tax-free that's a huge IRA as opposed to just tax deferred if you held on to them in your IRA nothing's better than tax-free so those are some of the reasons why you know there's so much talk today about Roth conversions now does that mean everybody should run out tomorrow and do a Roth conversion no, it's the idea that perhaps so everybody should be looking at it. And one of the th- rules, of course, is if you're going to execute a Roth conversion, it has to be done before December 31st of the year. And there's no more do-overs anymore. Remember, mm-hmm. part of that Trump tax act, it did away with the Roth recharacterization. So you got to be more careful. You have to get, you have to sharpen your pencil and say, okay, the Roth conversion that I'm planning, remember, it doesn't have to be the whole thing. Right. You know, we still have some people think that, they, oh, they think that somehow they have to convert 100% of their IRA It's an all or nothing. Yeah, it's not, nothing further Usually from the case. Usually it's the, the best outcome. It's how much over what time frame and what right. else is hitting on your tax return, which is why a lot of people who, when they stop working before minimum, have a huge opportunity, especially if they haven't elected Social Security yet, to pull money out from the IRA and convert it to a Roth at a very favorable bracket. And take advantage of a free consultation. We'll review opportunities, potential problems, maybe things you're not even aware of, or maybe give you a little peace of mind as well. And we've been helping people for th- more than 35 years, and we're able rated and accredited members of the Better Business Bureau. And you can check out our reviews on Better Business Bureau, Angie's List, or on Google. And if you want to take advantage of a free consultation, give us a call at 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090. Or visit financialfoodforthought.com. And you're listening to Carrie Waddell and Mark Donnelly here this morning. All right. So, Carrie, so let's... um, let's Give an example, or this is a when we sometimes talk about what we're how, how we're helping our clients with year-end planning issues, and I call this case review how to make your retirement sandwich taste better. Okay, All right. Now, this was a case, and this was this was going back a few years, but it really was a good example of what we mean by you know being active planners dealing with when life throws you a curveball and also how to coordinate advisors to get a better solution, right? Um, and, you know, a lot of people come to us, Carrie, because they're trying to build a retirement model, right? In other words, they've got the luxury where they have time to work on it. Maybe they're a year, two years away from retirement, right? Um, or, you know, something like that. But in other cases, people have a more immediate concern, and that's fine too. We can certainly help people dealing with a current urgent issue, even though we haven't built a 30-year plan yet, mm-hmm. you know, and we do that all the time. This was more of, a, of that type of case. Um, and 
what happened was um, the the client had heard us on the radio and we were talking about baby boomer dilemmas and, and, and one of them being the sandwich generation. You know, the idea that a lot of baby boomers today, they're dealing not only with like really the four generations, right. you know, they, they've got their children. Now they've got young grandchildren and maybe they're helping their children still. They're still right. in the basement or maybe they're even trying to help with the grandchildren's college education costs, but they also have their parents still living mm-hmm. and the parents getting, you know, needing financial or moral or, you know, help support physical. Yeah. Um, that they can't live alone anymore. Right. So it's got that got That's the sandwich generation, right? They're dealing with a generation above them and one, if not two generations below them. All right. And that gets difficult at times. Right. And what happened was to, to this, particular client was that um you know during the year their 93 year old mother's mental capacity had deteriorated so quickly carrie that for her own safety they had to institutionalize her okay and that's a very tough decision Mm -hmm. Um, but at, at some point remember we always say nobody checks themselves into a nursing home and sometimes it's just a matter of safety absolutely and you physically can't do it Okay. Um, and you may start off by trying to do it. And that, and, and that's particularly what we learned from this couple is that's what they started to do. Um, so the, so, so what happened was he was still, he was still about a year or two away from his planned retirement date when mom got, you know, to the point where they had to, you know, they had to kind of, and, and, you know, they had to kind of take care of her, not institutionalize her yet. Right. So he scaled down to like part time work and went into like semi retirement. And they thought that that was going to go for a couple of years that mom would just need help. Maybe not 24 seven. Right. But, you know, she was still in her own home. But between his wife who had already retired and him going down the part time, they'd be able to handle it. They were, right. he was the only, the only child. There were no other siblings to help. Okay. Um, so, but then it got worse and then moms. And so then they actually had to get her into an institution. Okay. Um, and then they got the sticker shock, right? Um, now, I, I I don't have to, I'm not even going to tell you how much it costs <laughs> for a nursing home. I'll let you find that out. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you this, it's more than what you're thinking. A lot more. I'll just leave it at that. Okay. Um, now, they uh, they were also, though, they they wanted her in a place that they were comfortable with. It's a very important part, right? Mm-hmm. And they also didn't want a facility that was 45 minutes away from their home. Right. Now, and that's usually one of the biggest decision, you know, what it goes into decision making of where to put mom is the, is the geographic location to the, to the individual who's mostly going to be visiting. Right. You don't want to be 45 minutes away. No, not if something, and, and just for convenience, if you want to visit and check in or something happens. Okay. Um, so they um so they they found a place and they were like they were saying okay cost was not the primary 
Okay. It was these other issues that were primary. Someplace they felt, you know, they and they wanted a private room, right? And you There's know, a little ka-ching button. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and they wanted to close. I mean, all those things. So, um, so so, but they also realized when they got the sticker price shock, saying that mom doesn't have enough to pay for this. Okay, mm-hmm. meaning so now they realized they had a financial responsibility. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, we won't Medicaid pay for it if mom is out of money. Well, they didn't want, met, they, they, you know, the facility that they had chosen already told them, ain't no Medicaid avail- beds available here. Right. And facilities can do that. All right. Um, and so they knew, you know, and so they started adding up the cost. Now, part so so, but but when we, so when we started talking, we started getting the picture and the direction of where this plan was going. So really, the long term was saying, are we going to have enough of a of our nest egg that we can pay for mom's care mm-hmm. and still not run out of money? Right. Right. Um, now, mom still had a house. Okay, so they were planning on saying mom's never going back home. So they knew that eventually they would sell the house. But that's not quick liquid cash. No, that wasn't going to help them in year one. That'd probably help them in year two. And those nursing homes want their money every month, by the way. Yeah. So they knew. So so we started. So they, but they were also trying. So, you know, so we started looking at things. All right. So one of the things is that we're saying is that, um, all right, well, they were worried about taxes too because they were. They, they were trying, you know, they were make they, they themselves had a large estimated tax payment to make. They were making quarterly estimates. And then we started looking and said, well, hold on a second. You, you know, we had realized, you know, through the discussions is that, remember, he went into semi-retirement. So he's not going to have as much W-2 income in this year than he had the previous year. And we were looking at the quarterly estimates that he was making. They had made two of them by the time they came to see us. They were based on, it was based on the 110% previous year safe harbor. And we said, well, you know, you're, you're not going to have to follow the previous year safe harbor because you're not going to have as much income this year as last year. All right. Um, so we started talking about the safe harbors. But then also they said, yeah, but we, we're going to have mom's cost. They were thinking their first year out of pocket was going to be somewhere between sixty to $70,000. Okay. And they're saying, now, he had a nice little cash reserve. Remember, he was getting right. ready to retire. So he had built up a nice cash reserve. But guess what? This was going to... Deplete it fairly quickly. Fairly quickly. All right. Um, so now he was saying, okay, then we're going to have to take... We're either going to have to sell our assets or get into the IRAs quicker than what we were planning. Because now he was saying, I, he really is thinking that, you know, could they still swing this without him going back to work? Or her, you know, right. either one of them going back to work full time. Right. So we said, so, but we said, yeah, but I said, but you're going to be paying your mom's expenses. You're paying the, and we said, you're paying the nursing home directly. They said, yeah. I said, well, you may, you know, do you understand that you may be able to deduct that? Mm-hmm. And they had no, they had no thought about that. Under the medical. So we got the, you know, so, so let's start working coordination with your CPA. CPA. And, you know, and it's the idea of saying, you know, if you are paying, 
um, medical expenses under certain circumstances, you may be able to deduct as your own medical expenses on your right. own schedule A. Now, it's a very, it's, you have to cross the T's and dot the I's. This is generally, you know, kind of the rule kind of says something like, you know, for a person to be your dependent, you must pay over half of his or her support for the year. If you pass a support test, you can add medical expenses you paid for the supported person to your own expenses for purposes of clearing the seven percent of a just gross income hurdle for medical expense write-offs okay this is true even if you cannot claim a dependent exemption deduction for the supported person on your return because she had too much income all right so it's also a key there is to claim the deduction you must directly pay the medical service to the provider you cannot deduct payments to your to your you know in this case your mom even, you know, to cover the expenses that she paid out of pocket, you know. So that's just some of the weeds, right? But, right. you know, but the CPA reviewed the law, reviewed their circumstances, gained back with the green light saying, yeah, you can pay this for your moms the, 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 this year and you'll be able to deduct it on Schedule A. And that's a huge medical deduction. And then you start thinking what other medical expenses you might want to add in there. So now, even if he takes that money out of the IRA, it's almost like he's taking it out of a Roth IRA. It's Right. It's offset by the deductions. All right. Now, so when they did that, in matter of fact, the CPA came back and said, in matter of fact, if, you know, based on the estimates, they, the SCBA says, you are actually not only, you know, that you're going to, um, you, you know, you're going to be in a zero tax bracket, basically. So not only do you not have to pay the third and fourth quarter estimates, which was going to be about $15,000 of cash flow right. for them between their federal and Ohio, um, not only do you not have to pay that, but you're 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 going to end up getting a refund because you're going to be in a zero tax bracket. So the CPA was really happy. Our clients were really happy. Were we really happy, Carrie? Not yet. Not yet. No. Because the first thing that when a CPA comes back and says that the client's in a zero tax bracket, the immediately light bulb on our, our head goes off and says, well, by the way, how much more taxable income could they create and still be at zero? Why would you not max out a zero bracket? Okay, because that's a once in a year life. I mean, you don't get to recoup that in future years. If you don't take that opportunity, it's gone. Right. All right. Um, so, and we said, by the way, for fun, let's not only look at the zero tax, let's look at the next three or four tax thresholds that the client is facing. Okay, so to, the solutions there was so to max out zero, they could do an additional $6,000 more than what they you know needed. Okay, and still just max out zero. Mm-hmm. All right, that's a no-brainer, right? Um, but what about, let's go one step further. What about maxing out the 10% bracket? Mm-hmm. Okay, um, they could do about a $20,000 additional IRA okay. distribution. Um, how about maxing out the 0% long-term capital gain rate? Okay, at the time that we were doing this, they could do about additional $70,000. Mm-hmm. Okay, and still get that zero long-term capital gains rate and zero qualified dividend rates. Um, and then we went one step further, you know, up to the first IRMA threshold. And in that case, they could do about $73,000. That's where if you have too much modified adjusted gross income, you pay higher Medicare premiums two years in the, in the future, right? Um, that's the IRMA, you know, that we talk about all the time. So, so now the clients are starting to think and they kind of like the idea of maxing out the zero long-term capital gain rate, which was about, you know, 70,000. Now, so then you could say, you know, so that's why people, so even though, and, and they didn't really need it here, because remember, Carrie, they had his cash reserve for the first year. 
So they really didn't need the money out in the first year, but they may need it next year. Right. Now, they this case, they might not meet it next year because the house may sell. Right. But they may meet it the third year. But the point is, as long as you've got the tax room in the first year and the second year and the third year. Take advantage of it. Why not take advantage of it? And and now, if you are saying, okay, if they don't need it the first year because they have enough cash, what do you do with it? Well, if, you know, this goes to everybody, not just this case. If, if, you know, that's the first thing. So if you're saying your cash reserve is large enough or you don't have any big planned expenses that you're going to need cash for, you could, you could convert it to Roth. Mm-hmm. So it'll be in a Roth IRA forever. And all that grows tax free till you need it. Okay. Um, you know, it, you know, it's that type of thing. And it lowers your, which we've talked on the shows, your future minimum required distribution, which we've talked on the show recently about all the potential traps that involves. So, so, so then, and so now we've got their next few years planned. In other words, and so then next we meet with their investment advisor who has the IRAs. We get them on board. We start, ta- we start them identifying, Hey, this may be the situation where we're taking 70 to $90,000 out of the IRA. We weren't planning on that a year ago, but we're active. Now we are planning on that. And what assets should we be identifying that should be moved? Some years we may use it for our spending. Some years we may use it for mom's medical expenses. Some year we may convert it to raw. IRA. But in either case, you know, identify, Mr. Investment Advisor, identify which assets you would like to move or, you know, so they're a heads up. So now they're starting to think about this. And it's also, and so now they're on board, the CPA is on board, and now the clients are saying, okay, this curveball that they got, at least this sandwich that they're now in is going to taste a little bit better now that they have an idea that we can manage this, get some tax opportunities that we didn't even know was available. And now we've got a good base where from here we'll start building the long-term plan to say, okay, if mom lives for three, four, five years, and you do go through those assets, are you still going to be okay in the end? All right. Take advantage of a free, no obligation consultation and look for opportunities you may be missing out on like that or address any other concerns that you have. And also happy Veterans Day to everyone. And you can call 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090. Or visit our website at financialfoodforthought.com. Tune in next week for more Financial Food for Thought. For more information about the show, for estate planning or upcoming seminars, call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. Thanks for listening. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.